0: Does the story work? That's the question, isn't it?
1: Welcome to the StoryGrid Showrunner podcast. We'll be answering this question using the StoryGrid method developed by Sean Coyne by analyzing hit TV series to figure out what works or doesn't work and why. Today, we're going to dig into Ozark season two. Unfortunately, Mel couldn't make it today. So we hope she gets better and she can be with us uh, next week. Now, let's get on with the show. So, Perul, what's the lowdown? How was it? How was season two of Ozark?
0: It really does live up to the hype. Everyone tells me that the seasons get better and better, and this show is on fire.
1: No, I agree. It, it's a great, it was a great, it had lots of surprises. There's tension. You really you really didn't know where it was going to go, who was going to show up, and who was going to make Marty and Wendy's life more complicated as it went along. It was really great. Awesome. So
0: in this uh, show we are going to be talking about the editor's six core questions. If that's something that's totally new to you, check out the links for the full article on it. But basically, the editor's six core questions are a great way to analyse any story and figure out if it works. Here are the questions that we will be touching upon. The full list of questions and the answers will be posted in our show notes. It's part of the StoryGrid universe and Story Grid methodology. Uh, incredibly helpful. The six core questions are, what's the genre? What are the conventions and obligatory scenes for that genre? What's the point of view? What are the objects of desire? What's the controlling idea? And what is the beginning hook, the middle build, and the end payoff? Simple but effective questions.
1: So we're going to start off with the beginning hook. I'll start us off. So there's usually five commandments in each act, and so I'm going to go through them real quick. I think the, in the beginning hook, the inside of the Incident kind of starts where the last season left off in that the fact that Dell, the representative from the uh, cartel, is killed by Darlene when he, he, he calls her a redneck twice. And then, uh, so, so the... the uh, she's got the, a
0: hot temper. She is yeah. such a feisty, terrible... She's the neighbor you wish, you hope, you never, ever get.
1: Do you, have, do you have neighbors like that in London? No. I mean, you could.
0: <laughs> I, she just scares me so much.
1: Yeah, she's kind of off the, she's kind of a little cray cray. So the inciting incident, basically of this one is they, they killed him in the last episode. So now they have to get rid of the body and hide the whole death scene from the cartel. They start, you know, scrambling, you know, getting rid of the cell phone and stuff like that. So that's really the inciting incident. Then the turning point progressive complication is, well, the cartel figures it out. And they say, Marty, you need to secure reparations because of Dell's death from the Snells and that's that you know there's a, someone who was killed from the cartel you need to figure this out and make it right and so his crisis question is does he accept this 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 mission from the cartel and if he doesn't he'll probably die and if he does then he's going to get in between the snells and the cartel and he may die too so the crisis is pretty extreme the climax is he he's got So go here's
0: here's a question so there's- So, and we often debate this, right? And we have people ask us as well, like, how do you know where the crisis point is? Because you could argue, if you've seen this season, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Marty has, there's sort of two points of crisis, which when I say crisis, I mean a road, a fork in the road, a point of decision-making. One could be when Helen turns to him and makes it very clear that she knows how Del died, which is that it wasn't, it wasn't that he disappeared off the face of the earth. It was, in fact, something linked to the, to the Snells. So one could be, does he accept what Helen says? I don't know that he's ever questioned anything the cartel asked for, though. So I wonder if that is a crisis. The second point of crisis is actually when he's in front of the Snells, and the Snells, particularly Darlene, don't seem to be playing ball. Is that the crisis for him? Because can he, he can't say no to the cartel, really. I mean, I don't know. They're so close together. They're with. They're like... Within, right. yeah, you know, a couple of scenes back to back.
1: So yeah, and that brings up the point of you know how Marty is going to get these reparations, right? He's an accountant. He doesn't think he's not in the Snells and the cartels world of life and death. Everything. If you if you insult me, I kill you. If you you know step on my foot, I kill you. Uh, that's not his <laughs> so. world, right? My my his world his world is accounting. His world is numbers. So when they say reparations, he goes in there with. You know, I guess one of the questions is, how does he get the reparations? And that's not a really a, a, a one-way a fork in the road. It's, it's, does he think of something that everyone's going to agree to? Does he ask them what they think is, is, is fair? Or does he go in there with his accounting mind and say, okay, well, you should give up a percentage because, you know, it's all about money. And if you pay this much, then it won't matter if that lieutenant died. So the, the Snells and the cartel, they like Jacob, he understands exactly what's going so. on. He gets yeah. it. And that's why the, in the end, when, when Marty, you know, goes in there and offers the deal, it says, hey, money, money. And Darlene's like, hell no, we're not, we're not giving up our, this is our land. We're not giving up our money. The Jacob Snell, he knows someone's got to die. And instead of killing Darlene, who actually killed the tenant, he kills mm-hmm. Ash. Because no one know the cartel doesn't really know who killed. I don't think, I don't think Marty uh... told I don't think no. he already told. So they can but just they blame do, it on Ash. The,
0: the picture that Helen had was of Ash with the credit card, but not that that necessarily means anything. Right,
1: right. So they can actually blame everything on Ash and kill Ash. And Jacob knows life for life. He's, he lives in this world, the cartel is. So he knows life for life and he knows what's expected. And yeah. so he just, he kills, he kills Ash, which eventually starts the, the rift between Darlene and him.
0: Yeah. And so, and just to step uh, Step at a sort of bird's eye view of this entire beginning hook. hook what, are we, what are we seeing? We're seeing a value shift across the entire act of, it starts with death and having to hide, hide a body and hide it from the cartel and it ends with more death and increased tension uh, with the Snells who, particularly Darlene, this will, this will end up biting them in the butt later on because this starts the enmity between Jacob and Darlene because Ash was like her child, the equivalent of her child. And the other thing is like how, you know, I, I, I sometimes think, so, so I love the story good, but I, I re- recognise it can get very confusing because there are so many characters. How do you know who to track and what's... And if you're writing a book with multiple characters, who do you track? And I think that to start with, at the very least, you track the main character and try and see how much of the story from their point of view and so for here for this beginning hook we definitely have storylines from other characters but in the end we're backing marty as viewers we really want them to survive this crazy ass world that they found themselves in where they're negotiating between mexican drug lords and uh redneck heroin owners (gasps) yeah exactly that's all they do they just all shoot each other but so this is the reason we ended up tracking Marty is because he is the main character. Wendy, as we will see later on, becomes a bit more stronger as a character and takes over. But for now, it's Marty. You could, if you wanted to, track the other characters. Jacob and Darlene are interesting. And you, would, you could track their progress across and it would inter- interact and intersect with Marty and Darlene's.
1: So I agree with what you're saying, Perul. I would also say though, that when you're figuring out who the track, I think it's the most powerful character change in in the progression of the story. So, or the most powerful act or event. How about event? So if another character, you know, off screen that Marty's not involved with killed, like if, if the smells had killed Dell off-screen and then brought Marty in, which I don't think would have been a powerful scene, but if they had done that. Then I still think the death of Dell would be the inciting incident, even though Marty wasn't involved in it. It wasn't there. It's just, it's just whatever moves the story, the, the most powerful event that moves the story forward. I think is is, is kind of how but, I look but, at it. But
0: I agree. But it has to relate to Marty, so, yeah. because if a character died, was killed, right. and didn't impact Marty, then we wouldn't care either.
1: So, for example,
0: the... if it impacted yeah. Helen, for example, yeah. I don't know how much we would
1: worry about it. You're right about that. And then the other thing you were saying about the kind of the change from the beginning to the end, and they both start and end on death. However, the end of this is a kind of, I think maybe it's devil negative to negative, but it's still a positive move because they've reached an agreement between the cartel and the Sneed's or the Snells, I'm sorry, and they're going forward with yeah, the casino. Yeah, that's true.
0: That's actually really true, and actually you, you've made me realize what it is, is that M- Marty's life was in danger, because if, because do you remember that bit where he's in the car with Helen, trying to pretend, as he's got such a good poker face, he's trying to pretend that he knows nothing about Dell's disappearance, and then when Helen turns around and makes it very clear that she knows, we think, like, you're, you're a goner, and if he hadn't managed to get reparations, his, his family would have paid the price. Someone would have paid the price, and it, it wouldn't have been pretty for the for the birds. So actually, yeah. Marty, you're right, you're right. Marty goes from being under threat to safe again, even though to, to there status is
1: death. quo of all we, of under threat.
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, absolutely. So the middle build is interesting because this is talking about taking over rachel features quite heavily in this in the middle build in action is normally the the realm of the antagonist and who is the antagonist well we have the cartel the evil terrible cartel they are so scary like what a guy that dude what is his name again Car- is it carlos no
1: yeah i think is it so i can't remember we I'll should find
0: He's frightening and he is the ultimate villain and antagonist. But the FBI in the sort of shorter term are, I want to say a secondary villain insofar as they are trying to get to the heart of this money laundering activity. The snag is that if they succeed, then the birds are definitely done for. So if the cartel wasn't involved and the FBI swooped down, that's like pretty bad you, you have to go to jail due time, but worse is if you become a snitch for the FBI and then the cartel comes after you and tortures you' It's like you'll it'll go, it'll go to damnation
1: so uh, the killer for the cartel's Nelson and, and but the but the cartel's name is Navarro, the head of the cartel's name is Navarro. Oh,
0: who's Nelson? I'm just totally made that up no,
1: that's I just think it's normal a name I th- for a cartel. <laughs>
0: no i think i think i think there's a book i'm editing at it must be uh, okay so navarro yeah because i think I've, i'm started to watch season three and i've seen a lot of him and he scares me okay so the middle build so rachel starts working with the fbi remember she uh, um, has od'd on drugs she stole some cash from the previous season she's od'd and petty comes into the picture and basically forces her to, Uses uses his bit of force he starts acting quite unethically actually for whatever reason, he's stressed out. He, he's, he wants a win for his career. His mother is a druggie, so it's a personal thing for him. Rachel, the inciting incident is that Rachel starts working with the FBI, which actually in, of, you know, endangers the entire family operation. Uh, there are a whole bunch of complications, and they are all to do with whether or not Rachel will succeed. There are lots of occasions where she's trying to trip marty up she fails but the turning point progressive complication the thing that turns it into a crisis for marty is when rachel tells marty that she's bugged so she lifts i think she takes her that, that's it they kiss and then she starts right. to take her clothes off and he uh, and he sees that she's bugged and he has to make a choice about does he cut ties with her or does he use her to provide false information to the FBI. There's also a little bit of a love story here because he clearly, he's always had something with Rachel. There's, I, it's like, even though she's a druggie, I think he responds to her, she's got a softness about it, but Wendy doesn't. Wendy frightens him a little bit because her moral compass and her demand, as we'll see in the next season, grows and grows. And I don't think Marty feels comfortable with that at all. Whereas Rachel is a sort of, point of solace even though even though at this point she's been uh, trying to trip him up okay so the climax is that uh, marty wants to use rachel to feed false information to the fbi and then the resolution is that rachel ods on bad heroin and marty sets the fbi up and gets rachel to treatment a treatment center in miami
1: yeah, basically he just he just gets what he gets footage of or he either feeds drugs to his mother or or he says he's gonna show that to the FBI or something. He's gonna he basically convinces Petty to lay off and go go help his mom, I guess. Yeah. 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 And all that stuff, all the Rachel stuff is life or death because he's never going to jail. If the FBI roll him up, he's not going to jail. The cartel's gonna kill him, his family his dog you know everybody yeah exactly
0: i think so i think that his what marty i think used against him was the fact that he was feeding rachel drugs and that he would he would basically ruin his career and then he also happened to know about his mom yep. but so again, if you go look at the value shift here again there's another massive threat to marty as there was in the first act this time <clears throat> it's not from the super villain master villain but it's actually from the the complication, which is the FBI, and it's the idea that you cannot trust anyone around you, even the girl that you like, woman that you slightly fancy, and who works for you. You can't trust her either. You don't know who, and how, and where the FBI are tracking you. <clears throat> so Marty goes from threat, like threat of safety. It's not threat to life, at least directly, to being safer, a bit safer, from the FBI, and I'm more in control.
1: And and uh and Perule, this is your idea. We we looked at this Ozark, because we were gonna compare it to Killing Eve. And if we look compare the 12 with the cartel, even though, you know, in the first uh season you of Killing to. Eve, the 12 was this all powerful, they're manipulating puppet masters behind the scene, and we're like, oh, this is gonna be great. As the seasons went along, we saw less of them. We weren't as scared of them. They were just kind of we, we couldn't figure out their what their objectives were, but the cartel is just deadly. You know, we see them, they're always in the background. They're always sticking, they're always killing somebody or threatening to kill somebody or torturing somebody. They're there. And even though there's other, like the FBI is a danger, the Mason's a danger, all these other people or all these other uh, complications or obstacles or or to, to Marty, you know, laundering the money for the cartel. The cartel's always in the background with the ultimate threat that if you don't do this, Everyone dies. They
0: know everything. So, they, and and this is what the twelve failed to do. And kill right,
1: because they don't. They, we thought they knew everything, but they don't seem. And to.
0: then they and then they didn't because you you managed to get you know Villanelle managed to do a number of things without them knowing Whereas here. You you, you place one foot out of step, and somehow the cartel know what the hell you're doing. They are they are beyond frightening. That's really, I think this uh, I'm, I love this ser- series so much. But I will also be glad when it's over, so that I can actually watch something really
1: gentle and light-hearted. Well, well, they have a fourth season coming out. I, I don't know when it'll come out, given the coronavirus. Very so good. <laughs> so, Andy, let's move on to any Payoff. So, inciting incident: Jacob is killed by Darlene, even though they're they're both thinking about killing each other simultaneously. And this, you know, this leads to some complications. It, you know, Darlene's like, "Hey, you know, I, I'm not going to work with you guys on this. We're it's my land." hey, I, if, you give me, if you give me Zeke the baby, I, I'll, I'll help you out. She also kidnaps Jonah's, Jonah for a second and shaves his head, which is a scary moment because we don't know if she's going to kill him because she's kind of cray-cray. And, and so that's, that's all part of the inside incident and some, some progressive complications. But the actual real, in my opinion, turning point progressive complication is the Bird family is not, no longer a team. I mean, in the first season – the kids kind of were told what was going on and they were reluctant, but they kind of supported the family. Now the bird family's falling apart. Charlotte wants to emancipate. She's hired a lawyer. The, you know, Jonah is actually his status quo normal life is I'm I live in this criminal family and, and I want to get figure out how to launder money. I want to do security for the house. You know, I want to, you know, I, I wanna be involved in this. And so that's kind of psychologically kind of crazy that he's he's kind of they shaved his head, he got kidnapped, they shaved his head, and he's just like, ah, whatever. And so everyone's, and so really, the, this is the turning point when Marty's like, my family's going to hell, I'm losing my family, I need to do something about it. And so the crisis is, does he continue to work with the cartel, or does he figure a way out? And so the, the climate answer is, he tries to figure a way out, he tries to plan on going to Australia, you know, he's got a plane lined up, he's got money, he's got accounts, and then the resolution is, Wendy doesn't want to go. She's got a taste of this power. She went back into politics. She's like, This is a good life for us. We can make a good life. And so they open the casino and they stay. And that's the resolution. And it was kind of a surprise. It was a surprise for me. I mean, obviously, I thought they had to continue, but I thought they, I was thinking that at the end, they'd they'd fly away and then the cartel would follow them and they'd have to figure something else out. But, you know, it's called Ozark. I guess they got to stay in Ozark. (laughs) Right, right, right.
0: Exactly. So the interesting, is that in the first season, Wendy was the one who was more antagonised, disturbed, perturbed by the entire situation. And in this season, Aye. it's the other way around. Marty's the one who's now really struggling with this. So that what that has been interesting to see that dynamic change because it's the two different characters having that. Going through the process, It's it's meant that it feels new in season two. And what's interesting in the resolution, while it's not strictly life and death it doesn't seem strictly life and death by the way we've described it when he doesn't want to leave so they stay in the casino actually we have a constant presence of the cartel through helen we don't the way they play it is that they don't they show us that wendy has gone to helen and said we have a threat and helen says are you sure you want to tell me about this because once you tell me it can't be undone you'll never look at him the same she sort of says stuff that makes us think that wendy has Um, cheated on Marty in terms of telling Helen about his doubts and the fact that they're about to leave. And then you find out that Cade has been killed on his way out. And Helen's, this this particular scene, when Marty is standing there with the casino opening and Helen says, by the way, Cade was killed, or however she says it. And she says, we caught him trying to flee. So he had to go, whatever the equivalent she said. And that was like a... Huge warning from the cartel. Whether or not Helen knew, I still don't know. They've left it wonderfully opaque.
1: Right. All right. So let's talk about some of the the six core questions. Just touch on them. We'll talk genre. I'm going to say, you know, obviously thriller again. Lots of life and death. So much life and death. I mean, there's like every episode has like lots of lots of opportunities to life and death. And then plus
0: heavy dose of morality and worldview.
1: Yep, yep, yep. And then I'm going to go through the uh, thriller obligatory scenes real quick. The incident, inside the incident of the villain, I mean, the cartel is threatening to kill Marty. if There's no reparations. I mean, that's the, but But in reality, you know, the cartel is always in the background like we've talked about. The speech and praise of the villain. I mean, we know the cartel's capable, what they're capable of. They, they've killed people in every season. We know, we, we also have our, in our heads what we think the cartel is capable just from all the, from all the movies and shows and documentaries we've seen. So they tortured him in the first season, you know, they killed his partner right in front of him. So do we really need a speech in praise of the villain? Not really. We know what they're what unlike in Killing Eve, where we aren't really aware of their capabilities and they seem to be more less capable than the than the cartel, because the cartel knows everything. Yeah. And the and the uh,
0: I just wanted to point, so this came up recently with, with someone I was talking to, the speech and praise of the villain is, is absolutely not, just in case anyone is listening who has this misunderstanding, a speech and praise of the villain is not about praising the villain in the sense that we have to say something good about them. It is 100% about making us understand the strength and power of the villains so that we fear them. The more we fear them, the more we know we have to overcome them. And so the more satisfying the scene will be when the hero finally manages to win. If Marty ever wins against the cartel.
1: Yeah. And we see her, we see that embodied in Helen. When Kay goes down, we see it embodied in the cartel when they gun Jacob and Darlene down. I mean, the, the cartel's there and they're dangerous and we know it.
0: That's so dangerous. Yeah. If we, if we um, talk about... So Hero becomes a victim. I just wanted to say this, this, Marty is just, he's like, he's sinking. It's like quicksand. Marty is just getting deeper and deeper into trouble. And so is his family. The The funny thing is he's trying to take care of people around him as best he can. He's trying to take care of his entire family. He's trying to take care of Ruth. He's trying to take care of Rachel. And yet he is himself a victim of the cartel. And as you pointed out, as he's a victim of the cartel, anyone who he associates with becomes more in danger. So he can actually never help anyone, really. He's putting them in danger.
1: I'll let you take this. Hero at the mercy of the villain. I mean, so we talked about the cartel being the villain, but really in this, especially this season, the villain is the chaos that Marty has created in his life because of all the choices he's made. He's got the FBI chasing him. He, so he's got this, this thing hovering about if he's going to go to jail, if the cartel is going to kill him, if he does go to jail. We got Caleb, you know, pushing his buttons. We got Mason kidnapping Wendy. We have all these things and they're all a result of Marty and Wendy's and to a some certain extent, yeah. their choices. And this is chaos. Yeah. So that's really, he's at the mercy of the chaos that he's created. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. 100%. Yeah. False ending. They have a false ending. They end up not leaving. We think they're going to leave. We think they're going to leave. He's planning for them to leave, but they can't. They can't do it at all. Wendy stops them. And actually, I I believe the cartel would have stopped them. I don't think he would have gotten away with it, not for long. Um, Let's talk really briefly about morality. Morality plays a huge role in this genre and so, here are two examples of things we'd expect in morality. We'd expect the protagonist to face an all his lost moment, discover their inner moral code, and decide which way to choose. You know, Marty faces constant all his lost moments. I mean, that particularly, I think of that scene with Mason. He does not want to be shooting a preacher. You know, he didn't, he didn't, uh, I'm not justifying him, he didn't mean for Mason's life to go downhill, but he, had to loan the money to, to save his family and as a result of all of this mason ended up losing his wife and lost his baby to social services and believes that the, the birds are evil and believes that the birds will tell on him now that he kidnapped wendy and so he's he's faced with that moment of as he after he actually almost after he's killed mason like forget the, the in the moment he had to do what he had to do but afterwards he's so Distraught, he also realizes that his children are being being brought down. That scene when Jonah is so flippant about having his head shaved by Darlene, he's he's in despair. He he realizes that his children are going down the same dark path that he and Wendy are. Whereas Wendy doesn't see that. And the other thing is the showdown. Look at the showdown. They're always, I think I feel like you almost always see the genre, at least the bigger genres. So in the in the showdown for morality you'd have the protagonist actively sacrificing self in service of an individual or a group and choosing to either remain selfish or not and marty is trying to sacrifice for the family bear in mind that in season one he tried to let his family go he was like you guys go i'll stay here they didn't they didn't go without so in this season he's trying to get all of them away but he, he can't when, I don't think Wendy or Helen would have let him do that. Uh, the final thing with morality is uh, the protagonist is, faces uh, literal or metaphorical death. They either lose the battle but gain self-respect or win the battle and lose, lose those things. Uh, yeah, Marty, I don't know, he loses the battle. Does he gain self-respect? I think...
1: In the eyes of the viewer, he yeah.
0: might... Exactly. And I think for himself, even, I think had he taken the other path, he would have, he would have started to turn into a bit of a monster, just like Wendy, he sort of started to turn into a bit of a monster. So quite power hungry.
1: Okay, what's next? So we're going to do a focus on like the backstory. And I want to compare this with Killing Eve when we, in mm-hmm. season three, when we had... Her go back to her family, and we were learning about her family. And this it was. This is Villanelle,
0: really, Villanelle going back,
1: right? I'm sorry, yeah, Villanelle. Villanelle going back to her, her family and house in Russia and her, seeing her, her mother and everybody in her, her brother. That's
0: in season three, I think.
1: Correct. And, and, and there's not, it's not a flashback. It probably could have been done better as a flashback, or at least for part of, this, part of the episode. But it's just, it was. And then, and then I want to compare that to what in season one, when they did a whole episode, which was a flashback. In episode eight, showing why Marty and Wendy got to be where they are at the beginning of season one, and I, I thought it was just perfect. I mean, in the in in the Ozark version, we have seven episodes where they're like, obviously they're having some problem. That's why Wendy has a, has a an affair. There's they're always alluding to the loss of a baby. They're you know every you know. Marty seems to be a kind of a straight guy. Accounting is what he likes to do. How did he get involved with the cartel? All these questions that we have we're, while we're enjoying the show, the, 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 the great show that, that, that the writers made. And then we have eight, we have a flashback which shows all these que- answers, all these questions for the most part. And it's, it's just perfectly done because it's the perfect setup. And then you see the flashback. And then we have two and a half seasons of Villanelle and we don't really have any allu- anything that alludes to her past. We we assume that she had a troubled past, but we don't really have any vision of her. She had brothers, that she had a father, that she had a mother, and then all of a sudden they just pop us, she's going home, she sees her mother, and she ends up killing her, and it just, and then there's no resolution of it after they're like, why, why did we even show this? There's no effect after this, after she leaves. And it really just doesn't tie anything together. And it, was, it wasn't a very useful episode. What do you think, Pearl?
0: Yeah, that's, it's really interesting to, to compare across different series that have the same genre. I'm trying to think through how, like if we were to categorize this, what does the Ozark flashback give us? I guess it, when we contrast, so we don't, what would have happened had we seen that right at the beginning? Versus what would be a, how does that impact us seeing it later on? When I say seeing it, I mean seeing their lives before, their normal lives before, where they were just uh, a suburban couple who had a, two, two kids fairly wealthy, versus having to launder drug money, constantly fighting for their place and, and in, in, the, in the Ozarks and constantly facing death. Seeing their normal life towards what I think would be the end payoff means that it, it really brings into stark contrast just how messed up their situation is and just how far they've come and how much a lot of what they're into is a result of their choices, so, which is morali- morality. It goes back to the choice. It goes, I still remember that episode, that scene, sorry, that very specific scene where Marty and Wendy decide because they 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 mull it over once they get their first offer from I think it's Dell makes the first offer, right? Mm. They they mull it over like should we do it? Should I? Could I really? And they manage to convince. Well, I think Wendy agrees to it, and Marty's really surprised, and he says, Yeah, why not basically? And then that's when their entire life unravels. If you had seen that in the beginning, I I don't know, I it would have been a lot slower. Yeah.
1: So so that's so this goes back to a really good idea when you're writing a story, especially a thriller, you start where the action is, and then you 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 sprinkle in the past. And in this right. case, they sprinkled in all of the, you know, the clues to their past. And then they just took after we're after we're drawn in, after we're like, hey, we want to know, then they put that whole episode, and it puts it all into place, and we understand why, how Marty got involved with the cartel. And we understand why there's an affair. We understand. We understand it all, and it's so. It's really so well written and so well yeah, done. It's a there's another scene, another flashback in season two with Jacob and Darlene, and it's perfect because oh, yeah. it's the it's the episode where Darlene yeah. and Jacob are not on the same sheet of music for the first time, and and because Darlene is just erratic, cray cray, and and you get that first scene of when they met. And how like she's got her mind of her own and she's like, I want, I want Jacob. And so, hey, if you want to meet me outside, I'll show, you a, I'll show you a fantastic time, not this boring time that she's going to show you. And that's just the kind of person she is. And that's what drew, drew, drew Jacob to, to fall in love with her. And even at the end, when she outwits him and poisons him with the cherry pits, he's like, you always were one step ahead, one of, me, step ahead you know? of me. And they still love each other. Even though yeah. he knew he was going to have to kill her, but he failed. So I thought that was perfectly done. It was such so well written. It's just yeah. I, writers' are just smacking home runs.
0: It's it, It's interesting because yeah, we, if they if we hadn't had that flashback, I don't think the the death scene would have been quite as poignant. No,
1: the love scene wouldn't have been nearly as powerful. But you knew why he fell in love with her. He wanted that kind of person.
0: yeah. But it was it was interesting because they made they, they even have us yeah they, they really do. Show us their love story, even that they have like a yeah, in like
1: an hour, they and, they're, and they're even the 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 main characters, and we see the yeah. the whole. We understand it. It was so well done.
0: Definitely, yeah.
1: So, what's your favorite scene for hmm.
0: I think I don't know. I, I maybe because of something someone said to me recently. Um, my co-host at the London Writers' Salon was doing a Ruth Langmore impression, which I can't do. My accent is terrible. <laughs> Ruth Langmore. She swears so much.
1: That. She's perfect.
0: But she, she was, she's interesting. She's so tough, and then I love because she's so tough all the time. When she is so soft with Wyatt, and she almost like cries, or she cries many times, always to do with him, because I think he, she's, he's like a surrogate son for her, really. Somehow, the one person she loves, and she cares so much, and argues with him for him to attend college, and yet yeah. she's so bold. So yeah, so my favorite moments are probably near her home, in that sort of. They're, they live on like
1: trailer um, park well they live right. on their own land was they live in trailers
0: right they live in tra- i wasn't sure how to, how to describe it they live in trailers and it's obviously very very poor and and she's trying so hard to like r- rise up from that she's yeah. such an i love her character
1: yeah and she's and so I'll, tough I- she's a great actress too she was in yes. she was in the americans which was a really good oh. she was she was like she was a like, a like a secondary character she was the love interest of the main oh. spy character because he was using her for information because she was the daughter of like a cia agent or something like that
0: i started watching that anyway another conversation or what was your favorite scene
1: no, I like, I like the, what I just described. I like the love scene, uh, the whole love story between Jacob and Darlene and the backstory mm-hmm. and the ground up cherry pits and, the, and even all the way to the end, the love story. I like, I like that a lot.
0: That made me so sad. Oh, I just can't <laughs> believe it. I just, I just, yeah. I, I just, I, I really dislike that character for, for, for killing her husband. It's just, just how can you love someone and kill them? I just, I, she frightens me. Great.
1: So next series is Ozark 3 because we love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Right. I
0: mean, I've, I couldn't stop watching. It's a, it's, a, it's a bit of an illness now. I, I just can't stop watching Ozark.
1: <laughs> All right. We'll do it. In a couple of weeks, we'll see you. Come back and we'll do Ozark 3. All right. That okay. wraps up our podcast for today. Uh, we hope that you have a better understanding of the story grid methodology. Uh, please leave us a rating and review and tell your author and editor friends about us so we can help others with their writing. For more information, videos, and articles on the StoryGrid, go to storygrid.com, or you can visit us at our website, sgshowrunners.com. And if you want to connect to one of our editors directly, links to our webpages are in the show notes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye.